Hello and welcome back. My name is Luke and you're listening to another episode of the Next Stage Podcast by Web Summit. Up next, we have an interview with the charismatic founder and CEO of beloved gaming company, Razer, Min Liang Tang. The startup's latest trajectory is not a route taken by most, moving from being a static provider of hardware to software, services and payments courtesy of a partnership with Tencent. Listen in as Min talks about taking mobile gaming to the next level. Hey Min. Yes. How are you doing? Good. What should we talk about today? Anything but that. So, so you, you did ask on the, on the internet uh, your many uh, followers and fans, right, what to talk about. So you guys are very famous for being uh, the, the, the big gaming company, right? You sell keyboards, uh, mice, laptops, but you've got a whole bunch more things, right? So talk about some of the other products that you guys sell that aren't, you know, obvious things. So, you know, um, our motto is for gamers, by gamers. So if you're a gamer, You'll probably be familiar with what we do. And uh, essentially, we're not a gaming company per se. We don't make games, right? But we're everything between the content, the games itself, and the uh, gamer. And we've built an entire ecosystem around the gamer itself. So we've got hardware uh, that many of you guys may be familiar with, the laptops, so on and so forth. We've got a software platform. We've got about 60 million gamers on the platform itself. And we've got services. And pretty much for the services right now, we run Razer Gold, which is probably the world's largest virtual credit. It can be used in a multitude of different games from Blizzard, Tencent, uh, NetEase, and what, like, so forth. You, you, can, you, you buy the games or you buy in-game credits? What do you, what well, do you trans uh, microtransactions, right? So okay. you buy Razer Gold, you can use it in a multitude of different games. It's pretty much like the uh, US dollar for games out there. <laughs> OK. And also uh, phones, right? So you guys have launched two phones so yes. far, right? Is there going to be a third one coming? So we don't talk about future product uh, along the way, oh, but uh, come no, on. on I don't stage. talk about uh, future product, especially on stage with you. Okay. Um, but uh, fundamentally, I think mobile gaming is a big part of our business. Right now, we're very passionate about it. We're very keen on it. Um, it's one of the uh, biggest growth drivers. We're seeing gamers everywhere. Um, you know, throughout, I was on a flight over here. I was just tweeting about it that I was playing a game on my mobile phone, and uh, you know, the flight attendant comes by and uh, trash talks me on the on the, in the, in the plane itself. Yeah, well, she asked me, like, what level are you? And I said, oh, she said she played the, the, the game, right? Which As game was it? Candy Crush? Uh, uh, I'm not going to talk about it. But anyway, it was on Cafe Pacific, which was a great flight, by the way. So well, are you going to plug the airline, but not the game? <laughs> Absolutely. OK. So, but in, in terms of phones, so like, how many phones did you, you know, you, so you, you, you had a first-gen phone, a second-gen phone. H how many phones did you guys sell? Was it a, a, a success, would you say? Now, when we looked at the gaming smartphone, um, back then, I think, you know, the whole mobile gaming business was considered more casual, sure. you know, Candy Crush, so on and so forth. Your but game. we were seeing how process <laughs> processes were coming through along the way that um, we see the graphics capabilities, and we were seeing some of the core games move across from the PC to the mobile phone. So that's when we said, okay, how do we get mobile phones to the next level? Um, and potentially create an entire industry out of it. So our goal, fundamentally speaking, was we wanted to, to have users look at the mobile phone as a potential core gaming device, and we've achieved it. Over and above, we just announced our partnership um, with Tencent, for that matter, where we are looking at the entire ecosystem of mobile gaming. So we're looking at accessories for, the, for mobile gaming. We're looking at software for mobile gaming. We're looking at services like Razer Gold that we can use for mobile gaming too. Okay. So it's the entire spectrum that we're looking at. So I mean, because I I saw some of those those phones that you're talking about, and they look very similar to the phones 
you guys did. Yes. So you got you got you got a clone, right? Uh, How does that feel? I mean, does it make you feel like that it's great that like companies like uh, sh like Xiaomi and others are, are 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 copying you, or do you feel like, hey, you know, we did all the work on this and you're just you're just well, if you look at us. the the gaming peripherals industry, there are a whole bunch of clones out there, gaming laptops, a whole bunch of clones out there. And the gaming phones, I think for us, for gamers, by gamers, I think there's always a brand. Um, there are always different categories. For us at Razer, we are very focused on the premium category, um, on innovation. We only want to do the best uh, along the way. And I think it's good that we see the entire industry really coming to bear and piling on, right? Because the more choices for gamers, I think it's better. Even the software that we've got is licensed by many of the other companies out there. So Chroma, for example, it's... Um, a lighting system that we could have kept. But what we did, and Chroma essentially, it's probably the world's biggest kind of RGB lighting platform. Now we could have kept it for our own hardware, but what we did was that we opened it up to every single other hardware company out there. Why? Because we are not a hardware company. We are this entire ecosystem. Because bear in mind, at the end of the day, at the very core, I mean, we are all gamers at Razer. We want to play different games, we want to try different um, cool shit and, and things like that along the way. And uh, it seems like all the fans you've got out there have ideas, right, that they sometimes come to you with. I'm not, I'm not going to mention one particular one that we agreed to not we talk, talk about. We can talk about it. The toaster. Why, why is there a Razer toaster? What, what is this, this, this crazy thing? <sighs> we, we essentially have a platform. We've got probably one of the biggest social media presences for a brand out there. Um, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we are on Instagram. So fundamentally, we, we get a lot of feedback from the gamers. And oftentimes, you know, they're all weird, offbeat ideas, cool shit, not so cool stuff. Um, but, you know, we look at that and one of them that kind of stood out back a couple of years ago was this, was a call for a Razer toaster. So the thing about Razer, we've become a, this massive lifestyle brand where we, we've got apparel, which is very popular, our t-shirts and stuff like that. And then there is the toaster, right? So, so that was something which was asked for by the community. And I decided to take the piss out of them, and I said, okay, sure, you know, get a million likes on your Facebook page, you dumb peasants, and we'll see if you, you, we'll make a toaster, right? In jest. You're calling them dumb peasants in jest, obviously, right? Not well, the toaster peasants, the toasterists, okay. the as toaster I like peasants. to call them. So anyway, so anyway, they get up to like 45,000 likes, and I'm, I'm like, man, these guys, I'm, I'm like way ahead of them. There's no freaking way that they're ever going to make a million but likes. So I start making even... More, I mean, we do, we do April Fool's jokes, we, 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 we have Easter eggs and stuff like that, just to kind of take the piss out of them. Right. So this guy then messages me and, on Facebook and he says, I will get a tattoo of a Razor toaster. So I said, sure, every Razor toaster is worth 100,000 of the likes if you can get to a million of them. So this guy then comes out and says, I'll get 10 of the tattoos. I said, no, it's got to be different people and things like that. And now today, there are 12 people on the planet who've got a Razer toaster tattoo. They have to make the toaster now, then. We'll see. Okay. Yeah, well, the toaster's so going to come, yes. But I never said when, so I'm still working on it. <laughs> OK. So but, I mean, in general, in yes. terms of how, how do you ideate new ideas? When you're thinking about what to do next, where is the, the idea? Well, for gamers by gamers. I mean, that's something we take very, very seriously. So most of the company, we're all gamers. We just design products for ourselves. What, and like you're in a shower and you think to yourself, oh, if only we had a uh, Razor shower gel or whatever. There's yeah, well, I've, I've not thought of uh, Razor shower gel you yet. You have that one for free for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You need a million. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am kidding. No, no, Even no, if you've got a million likes, I'm not going to make a Razor shower gel, just to be clear. All right? Yeah. 
So the thing is, everything that we design, we spend a lot of time designing, we spend a lot of time engineering it, but what we do fundamentally is we just design what the community wants. What we want ourselves as gamers, it's a very serious um, uh, topic for ourselves, and we spend a huge amount of time thinking about use cases, um, and the gamer today, it's pretty much almost every single youth and millennial out there, right? I, I mean, if you think about it, most of the youths today play more games than they watch TV or, or movies or, or listen to music, so on and so forth. So we, we spend all that time thinking about what we would need for ourselves and we design for ourselves. And we don't have many SKUs, right? So if you look at the number of SKUs we have for um, or, or product line, we've got mice, but we don't have many mice. So we're not like a mouse company where they have a whole multitude of different mice. We're just very single-minded and focused, very... Um, obsessive about the things that we do because we prefer to do less but achieve so much more from having a no compromising attitude to the things that we do. Okay, and also, uh, so you're going into f FinTech, right? So you did an acquisition last year-ish, I think, uh, right? And so you're offering various different services. Like, how, how do you go from being in gaming to being in, like, payments and, you know, that, that's not an obvious bridge, right? Well, you know, the weirdest thing about it is... Um, if you think about it, the people crazy enough to say, I want to take fiat money and change it into digital money has not been just a recent development. So Razor Gold essentially is one of the biggest virtual credits in the world used specifically for digital currency. And remember, we've also got a, a user base that is very familiar with the use of digital wallets, so on and so forth. So it was a natural progression. We built up one of the biggest kind of networks in um, the emerging markets. So if you look at um, Razor Gold at this point of time, we've got one of the, or uh, Razor Fintech, we've got one of the biggest networks for e-payments in the emerging markets of Southeast Asia, Latin America, and uh, Middle East, where gamers are going there and, and coming onto the platform and changing fiat money for digital dollars. But we started seeing a lot of other companies approach us, telcos saying, can you sell our prepaid cards? Um, we started processing you know, payments, uh, online payments for e-commerce sites like Lazada, so on and so forth. So we've got one of the biggest networks in the world for fintech. We um, today have kept it as a standalone entity. So Razor Gold still falls within our core business group. We've got um, Razor Fintech, which we've spun out, which controls the, one of the largest networks throughout and focused just on the youth and millennial. That's what we do. So w what's the end game for that? Because you've got people like Gojek and Grab, right, who are doing payments. Mm -hmm. They're moving towards, like, uh, you, I, I, I can send money uh, overseas to family. Uh, I can get, like, a loan. Is that, I mean, are you going to be doing that too? I think, I think for ourselves, it's a little bit like Razor, right? Throughout, we've just been laser-focused on our user base. So we feel that the youth and millennial out there, it's incredibly unbanked, right? There's so much that we can do over and above the traditional... Um, I think services, financial services for the youth have been woefully inadequate. So what we want to do is to partner some of these large um, partners. So a good example is we recently announced our partnership with Visa, and um, we've, we find it incredibly progressive. They've got a massive network of, of uh, users. They've got some of the most incredible technology platforms out there. And now they're connecting together with us to see how we can bring additional services across to the youth. So. Over and above, you know, we're working with uh, startups out there in terms of fraud management, so on and so forth. And this is a market that we think is incredibly untapped. So it's cool stuff that we want to be able to do for the youth. So how, how do you personally, as CEO, like, so I, I know you get 
involved in in our design, right? Like very he heavily involved. How do you manage that and doing fintech and doing apparel and all those other things, right? I mean, are you are you hands-on across everything, or do you sort of hand off the fintech to the to the guys that are doing that? You know, we've got a very talented um, group of individuals at Razor, um, very passionate. Um, and all of them have a, have a huge role to play, much bigger in many aspects than myself in the organization. So, um, and, and every one of us, you know, we, we know what we're good at, right, over and above. Myself, I'm, I'm very hands-on on the design aspect uh, for the product development, so on and so forth, for the uh, organization. But, you know, all of us have a part, a part to play. It's really the team, a, a single person could not necessarily do everything you know over and above i'm really curious what's it like being being the ceo of a of a public company right so you guys 18 months ago ish right that you went you, I'm went, not counting. you went public okay you know you're, you're not counting 18 months ish ago right end of 2017 yes you went you went public how, how does it feel going from being like the ceo of a, of a private company and as we all know like you're very charismatic and you'll you'll say what's on your mind like has that has that changed now that you've got no. Responsibilities as a as a public business? Uh, no, I think I think we've been operating a bit like a public company for quite some time. Um, you know, running a company is a bit like a game, also at the same time. It's a bit like a real-time <laughs> strategy game. That's the way I see it, right? You've got resources. You want to deploy it in in various aspects. You want to build different units over and above. Um, and I think the reporting has been part and parcel of uh, what we've got to do. We've had to formalize a board over and above, but. You know, it's just a lot more scrutiny. Over, uh, I think we've just got to be a little bit more careful. I think in terms of like talking about future product, um, we've yeah, got to explain you do that all the time. What happened? Uh, that that was kind of fun, right? Well, we've got to explain certain things. Um, <laughs> if you look at our IPO prospectus, we even made this little Easter egg that we might do a toaster at some point of time. And I, I know I the prospectuses have been being sold on eBay and things like that. It was 360 right pages. Like there's one Easter egg in that. That was it. Right? There are a couple of Easter eggs in oh, there. I don't think yeah, I. Yeah. I you yeah. probably didn't catch the rest. Um, but I think being a public company, and I, I would actually speak about this with um, many of you in the audience which might be considering going public, it's an experience um, over and above. I think it's, uh, it's something you've got to go in with your eyes open. And um, it's, uh, I, would, I, would, I would say that uh, the general market sentiment today with what's happening, the trade war, so on and so forth, you know, puts a bit of a dampener on certain things. But as long as your fundamentals are, uh, are there. So for ourselves at Razor, we are, you know, if you look at our last year's results, we grew about 40% year on year. Um, our fundamentals are great. The gaming market is massive. Esports is just taking off. But market sentiment is terrible. But the way that we see it is that as long as your fundamentals of the company does well, at some point of time, no matter what the sentiments are and things like that, the market will give you the value for what it's worth. So. We just keep to it. We are very focused in terms of our business, and, you, and we believe that there will be more gamers tomorrow than today, and we just keep growing with the uh, entire market. So you went public here uh, in uh, Hong Kong, and I remember at the, at the time, we, we kind of talked about it, and you told me that, like, that sort of, uh, it was much harder to be, a, to be a tech company and be here, right? You were t talking about how if you were on the it still is. NYSE or other places, right, it would be easier. Yes. Is, that, is that a plan that you've got? to list elsewhere in the future? So I can't talk about that, as oh. you well know, being a public company. But uh, I, would, I would actually say this, that, um, you, I mean, if you look at throughout the entire market today, if we had listed in the US markets, I would dare say that we would be a much, much higher valuation right now, I think over and above. But the Hong Kong market, at the end of the day, 
is kind of depressed for tech stocks right now across the board, right? Yeah. That much said, I think for ourselves in particular, because we're not necessarily, we don't necessarily have a big exposure to China. We're diversified. We're a third of our business is in the US, a third in Europe, a third in Asia. You know, we're seeing investors kind of sit up and go, okay, you know, this isn't like a China play, which they are kind of familiar with over and above. And, you know, when you look at value, they look at that the growth prospects, gaming is still a massive market. So we believe that the, the stocks at the end of the day will go back to fundamentals and they'll look at the growth prospects, the trajectory. But yes, you know, it'll, it will take you a little bit more time if you're a tech company looking to list in Hong Kong to educate the investors. But, you know, we are optimistic that the um, investing public will look at it and go like, hey, look, these guys are growing, you know, gangbusters at this point of time. The market is growing. We're seeing more gamers out there. So the value will come through. So it doesn't matter which market it is. It's just a question of time. Fair enough. Okay, um, we're almost out of time, but I'm going to ask you uh, one more question. Like, what can we expect to see from you guys this year? And I know you can't talk about actual product, but what's the, the general sort of focus that you've got rest of this year? Um, a lot more partnerships, I think, uh, along the way. We've got this massive platform for gamers at this point of time. Um, and as I've mentioned, you know, I want to basically get back to uh, you know, all of you have reached out, I think, along the way in terms of potential partnerships to reach out to the youth and millennial, the, the market, so on and so forth. So you'll probably see a lot more partnerships come through. I mean, we've announced um, things together with uh, Tencent this year. We've formed the eSports Alliance together with them. Um, we've uh, talked about NetEase uh, with their games coming onto our platform, which we're helping them monetize outside of China. We've announced Visa. Um, so I think you'll see a lot more partnerships come through. I think you look at new categories that we are focused on for gamers. I think, you know, the whole gamer demographic just continues to grow. So you'll see hardware, software, services for gamers out there. And that's something that we are very focused on. And uh, other cool stuff that we will come up with. Uh, I think that's what you'll see. Wait and see then, huh? You have to wait and see. Thank you so much, men, for coming. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate your time. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening. Web Summit 2020 is right around the corner, so be sure to check out websummit.com forward slash tickets for more info.